This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for the most average podcast ever. It's Sack. Look at this guy. So hopped up on goofballs and grass, he's got no idea what's going on. And the nose. Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> Why? All right, folks, volume 14, Zach and the Nose podcast. We're back for another week of talking about absolutely nothing or stuff that we just want to talk about for the next 30 minutes or so, maybe even 25 minutes. I know we had one person, our buddy Andy, who said it wasn't long enough last week in the podcast. Yeah, I read that in a Facebook thing that he wrote to us. I know you're not on Facebook, Nose. Nose is sitting here with me. He is my partner in crime, as always. It is Zach and the Nose podcast, so I bring him in here at Spencer Nose on Twitter, N-O-S. Spencer, good morning. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you? Good night. How are you? Just in case anyone's listening at any point in the day. First off, R.I.P. Nipsey Hussle. One love. Prayers up. Got a bless up. I think bless up's the one to use there. But yes. Uh, Yeah. Listen, crazy story that came out uh, in the uh, western part of the United States and something that all the athletes are into right now. So we brought it up on the morning show as well, obviously, because Dwayne Wade had something on his shoes and LeBron and everybody. It's crazy. Uh, Big time a rapper on the West Coast. I don't know that much about music anymore nowadays. The only stuff on my Apple Music, uh, if somebody looked, is... Baby Shark. Yes. Okay. Baby Shark. There's Baby Shark, there's a couple of like the uh, uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb, and then it goes from Mary Had a Little Lamb to, uh, you know, Thug Passion by Tupac. So there you go right there. That's what my I, Apple music I read like. that he was the, uh, you know, this generation's Tupac. That's, I don't know much about the Nipsey. Me either, but I'm glad you put that out there first in the podcast. It shows that we were very well-rounded uh, here on the podcast. Well, we- I- I just know that uh, Russell Westbrook dropped 20, 20, and 20 last night, and instead it was for him. So that, that got my now attention. Now you brought that up, though, and it did. It got my attention, too, and everyone around the sports world. Petty or not petty, a guy not wanting to come out of the game, knowing his stats, trying to go for 20, 20, 20. Your thoughts? I'll give you my thoughts of what I said on the morning show, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. Oh, I, I just love it. It's just so gaudy, and it's just so, like, this generation of, like, I'm going to get mine. But he was, tri- you know, he was trying to do something and trying to make a statement, uh, and he sure did. I mean, wow. I actually do fantasy basketball, which is no shock. I am the nose. That was one of the biggest fantasy games in the history of fantasy. 20, 20, and 20. Are you kidding me? Anyway, I don't really want to talk about... All right, well, enough about Russell Westbrook. That's fine. We've got plenty of other things that we want to talk about. Uh, on your list of stuff you wanted to get off your chest today, because that's what we do here for the podcast. We basically just send a list of stuff we want to get off our chest. Number one on the nose list is... I want to talk about Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay for a moment. Two guys who I actually have a lot of respect for because I've been watching at least Mel Kuyper for my entire life. But, my God, their information every year couldn't be any more incorrect. And I wanted to discuss that for a moment because they come off looking so confident. And they come off being like, oh, my source is this and they tell me that. Well, I look at it last year and Kuiper has Josh Allen going one to the Browns. 
obviously that was incorrect. Baker. Sure, sure. They had Sam Darnold going two to the Giants. Obviously, that was now Saquon Barkley. Uh-huh. And they had the Jets taking somebody, you know, somebody else. It it was completely incorrect from one to like number ten. They were off on every single one of their picks. And do they ever get called out for this? That's the question that nah, I'm proposing. I mean, yeah, they do, but they don't care. Like if they get called out for something. Uh, it doesn't matter because everybody is different on their mock drafts or everybody is different here in sources, schmortzes. It doesn't matter because things can happen on draft day. But the problem is, is that these guys, this is their job. This is the number one thing they do. Todd McShay, even Mike Mayock, before he took the Oakland job, these guys used to go with their mock drafts into the draft. And sometimes they would get four or five right out of the first 32 and it would, they would be literally praised for it. So it's funny. The mock drafts and the draft analysts, it's very, you know, like, just give me scouting guys that could tell me about them, but don't tell me where they're going to be picked because outside of a team coming out and saying, listen, we have the number one pick. We're the Arizona Cardinals. We really like Kyler Murray. And not only that, but we'll have him signed to a deal before we actually make the pick. Like the Dolphins did with Jake Long years and years ago. There was no, like... There was no buzz at the draft because the number one pick already was known and was signed. He already signed his deal, went to the Dolphins complex. It was just now, okay, now you got to call his name on draft night. But that's the only time you ever really know what's going to happen. Last year, Baker Mayfield, up until literally the draft happened, no one knew he was going one. Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, can Saquon be the first pick overall to the Browns? Like, that's what was going on. So it's really a bogus industry, yet I love it. Yeah, I mean, is there a better job that you could be completely wrong basically 90% of the time, yet still get complete kudos. And how about your only job is to be right Correct. in the, in, in the and NFL you're never, And you're never Mel right. Kuyper has no. no other job. So I feel like he has like six months where he could just be in his house in his underwear, just maybe watching some NFL network. And then he comes up with his own opinions. Listens and he's to, Mel Kuyper. Listens to some scouts. And That's then it. he gets his hair in place, goes onto the TV, starts spewing out with a lot of confidence what he thinks is going to happen. Yet he is wrong almost every single time. Let yep. me tell you something. I am so, so jealous of those two men. Because Love their jobs. They have up there with Kirk Herbstreit and what John Gruden used to have at that Monday night gig. Those are the best jobs literally in America in the nose's opinion. Give me an analyst job. Give me a job where I'm supposed to uh, give you my opinion on something. Oh, I actually have one of those jobs here on the radio. <laughs> but I'm talking about in a big-time national seven- to eight-figure job. I mean, John Gruden was the highest-paid guy at ESPN for years before he took the job as being one of the highest-paid head coaches and as a 10-year deal. But before that, he was legitimately the number one guy at ESPN for working one night a week on Monday Night Football. One night a week. Love it. And all he has to do is watch some video of yeah. the game. I mean, what? I mean, I know he went to certain intensities. He's spider, banana, Y2, whatever that stuff is, the play that he called. Uh, literally, he would just watch game tape all week at 4 a.m. every morning and living in Tampa. And that was his job. It was fantastic. Great job. What a transition because I actually wanted to talk about that. He took Kyler Murray. I don't know if we, anybody read this. I'm sure you did. You read everything. He had Kyler Murray all day and night in his, um, I guess they had him for a, a day at a pro day. And he took him to the white screen or the whiteboard for hours and was late to his actual physical, you know, actually throwing of the football uh-huh. because he was drilling him for that long. You know, Gruden's got a lot of balls because he's not getting Murray. And so all you have done here is pissed off Derek Carr. Sure. You've told course. Derek Carr this is your team, yep. and now you're just spending a full day with Kyler Murray, and he's taking pictures with Tim Brown, the Oakland legend. This is just ridiculous. It's a, Gruden just doesn't 
get it. No, he doesn't get it. He doesn't care. The last time he coached was over a decade ago, so it doesn't, you know, he, he the, the NFL has not passed him by, but he just doesn't understand. You saw him last year. He trades Khalil Mack and then complains he doesn't have a good pass rusher. He needs a number one wide receiver and trades Amari Cooper. Like, those things happen. And he's not looking for a quarterback. Derek Carr's our guy. Would it surprise you at all if the night of the draft, Derek Carr gets moved for a future first-round pick, and then they take Kyler Murray over? Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And he got rid of, at that point, his three best players on the team loading up on draft picks but also think about this you are in a regular job outside of this podcast that takes up all your time during the week like me and that's good but can you imagine if your boss came to you and said listen you haven't done this in a while about a decade since you've done what i need you to do but i'm going to hire you give you 10 years fully guaranteed 100 million dollars and by the way we're moving to vegas in about 19 months you cool with that Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Of course, because he's a smart businessman when it comes to that. He might not be up in the NFL terminology now and goes to the NFL meetings. Him and his brother looked really weird in the coach's picture they took. One of them looked like he was slumped over. I think it was Jay Gruden. So it is what it is with those guys. But, yes, what this all comes back down to is us sounding like we're hating on guys like Kuyper and McShay and Gruden and Herb Street and Fowler and all those guys. no. We're blatantly jealous of these guys. Oh, blatantly jealous. This is, this is not hating at all. I, you know, we are, I, I go out there, I consider myself a fantasy analyst or something like that, and that's why I'm on the air with you, and I do believe I know what I'm talking about. But ultimately, it, there's a lot of luck involved. There's a lot of things that are out of people's control. You know, you could go to the fantasy finals like I did, and then Todd Gurley just doesn't, does, doesn't play. Nothing you could do. You right? know, so... It's insanely jealous is the word I would use for what I believe is Mel Kuyper. Now, Tom McShay, I see, does some sideline reporting. He's a little bit more involved in ESPN, a younger, chiseled, you know, very well-spoken human. Kuyper's just draft guy, and that's it. What a job! He does a radio show, I think, on the weekends for like a three-hour radio show from his house in an ISDN line in his house. Probably never leaves it, and that's fine. But it sounds like a full hate job, and I'm not. I'm totally jealous. I'd like to work from my house, get all the scouting reports just to my house so I don't have to worry about it, and that's it. Yeah, how hard is it? Sign me up. This is my Mel Kuyper. Kyler Murray, totally talented, fits the Clingsbury system. So Clingsbury has the choice to go with him or not. Are you going to go with Joey Bosa or are we going to go with Kyler Murray? I mean, I know, I know I'm horrible. Give me, give me that job. But, but I want it. What a job. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, I could sell that. It's super easy, super sexy. Anyway, Mel Kuyper, I respect you. You got the best and job in jealous. America yeah, and you jealous. took it and you ran with it. Yep, that's smart move by him. All right. Uh, speaking of Mel Kuyper and Tom McShay and guys like that, uh, we will. We always like to have a little bit of fantasy flavor into the show, and that's what we're doing here also as well. Um, the running, We talked a little bit about quarterbacks because there are a couple that are probably first-round guys. We've, we brought them up. Obviously, Kyler Murray and Haskins and Drew Locke and maybe even the Daniel Jones kid or Will Greer comes in. We talked about that earlier in podcasts. Running backs and wide receivers coming into this one, I look at the list, and you heard that pause there because it's meh. It's okay. It's maybe one or two guys that are good. It's really an offense and defensive line first round with a lot of you know guys that are going to be picked in those two positions, a couple quarterbacks. But when it comes to those two sexy positions, a running back, wide receiver, I, I now go to my Mel Kuyper of the fantasy world here, the nose. Uh, what do you like? What do you dislike? And is it really just meh? That position or those two positions. It's Memph Bleak is what it is. Well done. Thank you. Well done. I feel good about it. Um, So, yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who are in Dynasty Leagues who only pick uh, rookies. That's where you 
have a roster that year over year remains the same and you add rookies as you go along. Uh, also, you have major impact rookies, just like last year, Saquon Barkley was a first-round draft pick. He was a top three running back, and now he's going to probably be the top pick overall next year. So who is that player coming into this year? What's the fantasy angle and the fantasy twist? Well, it's really ugly. But the guys that we're going to be looking at and where do they get drafted are Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris, both the Bama running backs Course, yep. are going to be into the draft. They're going to be picked both within the first two to three rounds. And so let's see where they go. Let's see if there's an opportunity there. You know, for example, there's an opportunity for someone to walk into the Houston Texans offense and they could excel immediately. You know, Alfred Blue and Lamar Miller, those guys are on their way out. There were rumors of Le'Veon Bell even maybe going to Houston. Well, at I that thought point. that would have yeah. been the most diesel fit. Of but, oh, yeah, my yeah. Lord, that would wow. have been, yeah. Deshaun but, Watson, Le'Veon Bell, and uh, DeAndre. Uh, wow. Yeah. Nice trio there. That's yeah. fantasy nose candy yeah. right there in a <laughs> nutshell. But, Give me some of that. Yeah. So, you know, who could walk into that kind of place? You know, so if one of those Bama guys walked into Houston, they immediately will have that kind of fantasy value. So, of course, the draft's going to come along, but those are the two major running backs that are out there. But that, in my opinion, is very, very weak. Um, it is I, a weak class of running I backs. really actually liked Jacobs a lot. That guy would truck people, yet also speed by him. Harris is more of a power running back. Again, we'll see, but not that explosive, explosive guy that you're like, oh my God, I have to have him in the, you know, a first rounder. There's no Todd Gurley going through that door. There's no Melvin Gordon going through that door. Yeah. McHale, Parrish, Bird. Not happening? No. Yeah. What about wide receiver uh, wise in this draft? Who do you like? Who do you dislike? I mean, not even really like or dislike. Who do you think is going to have some sort of impact early in this draft? I don't see a lot. There are a few names, but I really don't see well, a lot. Well, there was that super freak, uh, DK Metcalf. Wow. Right. Yes. Ole Miss. I believe it was Ole Miss. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And he was just one of those guys that looked like a bodybuilder that is a wide receiver. He was the super freak of the combine. And what does that mean to me? Absolutely nothing. I have no care in the world for what he does at the Combine. I believe in what they do on the field. John Ross was the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver who ran a sub 4-2, or excuse me, sub 4-3, drafted 10th or 11th overall by the Bengals, and now is being traded by the Bengals, or he's just a non-issue there. So DK Metcalf and then this guy, N, what is it, N. Keel, Harry from Arizona. Sounds good enough for me. And Keel Harry from Arizona State, who is a very tall and athletic guy who I remember seeing in the highlights going on a reverse. He'll go one way. All of a sudden, he'd go across the entire field. It was obviously that horrible Pac-10 offense. But in general, uh, those are the only four offensive players that are not quarterbacks that I think could have impacts in the first and two, you know, the first and second rounds, which is just not very good. No, it's just not a very sexy, you know, skill position uh, draft. It's just not not early. Maybe later on in the draft, you'll have a lot of guys that might be able to, you know, be good second and third guys on teams, but there's no Saquon Barkley. Like I said, there's no Gurley. There's not a guy that's just the impact. Oh, my, no Ezekiel Elliott, where it's like, oh, this is a top 10 guy. Will he go top five? Maybe he drops 15. No, there's just not those guys in this draft. I would be surprised if more than one running back goes in the first round. Wide receiver-wise, maybe those two guys, like you said. I couldn't agree more. I think that you're looking at a total of a maximum of three, maybe four, first-round running back 
or wide receivers. Guys, There's a yeah, tight end yeah. out of Iowa who's a stud. Yeah, sure. Top ten uh, possibility, but that's a you know that's a tight end position. We could discuss that in another podcast. And uh, so that's your little fantasy twist. I like for that. the day. We needed to get that in there. We needed to infuse the podcast a little bit with that fantasy stuff. All right. Well, uh, college basketball is coming to a close. We're a couple days away from the Final Four, and then we got the national championship game: Texas Tech, Michigan State, and Virginia Auburn. Is your final four? No North Carolina, no Duke, no Kentucky, no Murray State with a John Morant. None of those guys in there. It's just four teams that have played well through the tournament, survive in advance. Uh, I'm a sports guy, so I'm going to watch the final four and I'm going to watch the national championship game. And I love college basketball, but I do like the one note you did make on here Snooze Fest 19. This is just not a very sexy Final Four. The TV really wanted, CBS really wanted Duke there. Zion Williamson, the, the freshman three, Mike Krzyzewski, maybe a North Carolina gets in there. Not even a Gonzaga. It's Virginia, who I thought in the beginning of the tournament would be the, the first one to lose and to get knocked out. Not, you know, round of, you know, the first round again versus 16, even though they got a little scare. But like one of those, you know, eight, nine matchups where somebody kills them. Instead, they're one of the Final Four there. Your thoughts on this Final Four and the teams left? Well, you got to give a little credit to last weekend's games. They were actually wonderful they basketball were good games. They yes. were good games, yes. Unfortunately for the, what is it, CBS, they didn't get the Dukes. They didn't get the North Carolinas. They did get a snooze fest. And I mean that only in, I guess, the most respect towards the coaches of these teams. You know, obviously, to... Uh, Mr. Izzo. Larry, yeah. That was me I, was, I almost said Larry Izzo there. It's not Larry Izzo, no. That's uh, a special yeah. teams Miami Dolphins, yeah, 1993. Wow, look at you. Very well. I think it's about 93. And then he went to the Patriots. Yeah. Tom Izzo, I mean. Uh, H to the Izzo. Yeah. Like Best of all. I mean, I, he's got to be right I like, up there. I, I know there was controversy about him in, towards the beginning when he screamed at some dude. and I love and, that. And, you know, like some people were, oh, I can't wait till this batch of coaches, old men are gone from college basketball. Listen, say what you want to say about the guy. He's basically in the Final Four every year, every other year with whatever team he puts out there. And he's not one of those teams that has three one-and-dones every year. They actually have good players on their team that play a couple of years there. Izzo does a very good job, and I don't think he gets as much recognition as he probably should. Can we, like, make a reminder because I could speak about this forever, about another podcast uh, about what has happened in America with every kid needing to be, you know, rubbed and given a trophy. Pampered. I, I can't, I cannot handle the people who were upset with Izzo pointing a finger. It's called growing up. It's called coaching. It's called being accountable. Are you kidding me to these people? Soft like a Twinkie filling. That's just going on in a different rant. Uh, so, yeah, listen, we're going to watch the uh, final four. You know, Virginia is the most boring team in America. Auburn, I really like a lot, but the poor, you know, one of their, you know, Bryce Brown's a stud, but they're, Second best player, Okiki, yeah. has that awful torn ACL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Not Michi- good for them. Michigan State has uh, they have ca- some good players. On they have some yeah, nice yeah, players, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's just. And then Texas Tech has the best player out of all of this kid named Jared Culver, another top ten apparently NBA lottery player. All being said, completely boring Final Four in my opinion. And sadly for the nose, I actually had UVA Virginia versus. Auburn. Wow. Completely crushed that part. Wow. I did not win. I'm already eliminated. I Yeah, that's how bad the other side of the bracket was. Yeah, I also had like red, teams yeah. like Belmont going to the Sweet sure, 16. Of course. St. Mary's making it. I go a little too crazy at the beginning. You could almost have went chalk the whole time and been very well, that, good right It now. was a chalky type of um, tournament. 
if you but if you had Michigan State in over the Zags, that's where you and which is still a two seed, but you probably are looking pretty decent right now if you had uh, UVA on one side and, sure. and Michigan State on the other. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the way I look at it is there's there's two guys that I listen to a lot when it comes to college basketball. It's young Greg, Greg Likens, who does shows here at 560 and 790, and my brother, who watches all college basketball all week long, the midnight game, the Hawaii matchup, whatever it is. And what my brother said to me before the tournament, obviously we're in the brackets together, so he didn't want to give me every secret, but he said, this is the one year in the last 10 that I look at this bracket and say the one through four, are so much better than the five versus you know five all the way down through the sixteen seeds. Obviously, that if you went chalk the whole time, you're probably going to win your bracket. And he came close outside of Duke and North Carolina losing a little bit early, and then Duke just losing last weekend. You realistically could have went chalk and probably been in a very good place right now, especially if you had Virginia in your championship. That's a one seed, but yeah, it's just. The, the excitement in this year's tournament wasn't there. There wasn't the buzzer beaters by the 12 seed beating the 5. There wasn't a 16 beating a 1. You kind of knew Duke was going to go pretty far. North Carolina was a little bit of a shocker because they were like the kind of number 2 overall seed in the tournament. And Virginia, to me, is the biggest shocker because I didn't have them getting past like the first weekend. Like I thought they might lose in that first weekend. Oh, they almost did. And they too. almost did to the 16 early and then in the second they game were also. Down, they were down 12 and I have them winning this thing. I yeah. went the other way because they lost last year to the six, 16. Right, so I'm like, they can't do it Not twice two years again. in a row, right? I mean, then you also, they were so sneaky. I mean, they're in the same conference as North Carolina and Duke, correct? Sure, okay. three I, ones from the ACC. Yeah, it right. doesn't happen. And they beat them all, and they only had like three losses on the air. I don't know, but yeah. O- overall, I- I'm rooting for Virginia to win this thing, even though I have a soft spot for Izu. But this guy, um, this, the coaching in, in Virginia is some of the best there is, so I, I'm rooting for them. Yeah, I'm going to go for Texas Tech because I like Jason Jenkins from the Dolphins, uh, who works up there in the Dolphins uh, do you do hierarchy. Do you do Stan Jenkins? Yeah, I'm going there. But my man, uh, Jason Jenkins, a big, big Texas Tech guy. I have no love and, and really don't care about Virginia and Auburn. I have a special hate in my heart for Michigan State because as a Gator, I drove up to Indianapolis for the Final Four in 2000 and watched Mateen Cleaves fake like he broke his leg, come back in and beat the hell out of the Gators at the end of that game. I'll never forget you, Donnell Harvey, for having the worst game your life that game either uh yeah it was it was a bad one for why me. man why'd you do that i'm sorry i had to bring it up just because when michigan state plays i root against them because of the fact of that game mateen, one game mateen cleaves yes mateen cleaves peterson uh peterson mo, mo peterson was on that team uh and uh i don't know if zach randolph was on that team or not as the young freshman i'm not even sure i don't, I don't think, think so. so i think it was later yeah it was maybe a couple years later but mateen cleaves falls in that game kind of like teddy dupay kind of tripped him a little bit i'm sure acted like he tore his acl his kneecap was out of place his arm was broken you know he's, he's, he might have been concussed he comes back in the game three minutes later and scores all the points at the end of that game i do not like I mateen mean, cleaves has been on my show before and i've told him how much i hated him at when he was a player i'm sure now he's a great dude and we'll walk around the only person i have that much hate for at that point is alan houston and if i see him in the street i tell him that and i have done that before and gotten in trouble for that so i'm not gonna stay away from that that brings up a very dark spot in you my just heart. you just ruined my buzz yeah my my there's a dark spot in my heart for alan houston even though my brother into the nick fan always tells me I, we beat you in that one shot in the in the playoffs you've won three championships since shut up you are always very clear in your worst sports moment alan houston Always, it's not even a question. You're known for it. Yeah, that you're known I have man gotten for it. off an airplane coming back from the Super Bowl. My wife picked me up at Fort Lauderdale Airport. I walked in. You know, you, you can't sit there very long and park. The cops told you to leave. She is basically being pushed out of the way. Hurry up, hurry up! I see her. I run towards the car. I look to the, my right, and there's Alan Houston. 
and I roll down my window. I haven't seen my wife kiss my wife in a week and a half, whatever it is. And I literally look right, Alan. And he looked at me and I was like, kind of gave him the wave. I'm like, bleep you asshole. And I walked and I go drive to my wife. That was, was that, my Alan Houston moment. Was that a bleep you and and drive moment? Yes. And Instead I of even, a drive-by, it was a... No, I wanted to make sure I got all that out because there was some pure venom that I needed to. All right, so that is our final forward talk. Let's end it on a kind of funny yet uh, pretty cool thing that happened down here because it was a very, very big tournament here. The Miami Open was at Hard Rock Stadium for the first year in years. If you've, uh, for the first time forever, it's always been in Key Biscayne. Um, and on our show in the morning here, obviously the Joe Rose Show, I work with two guys, Hollywood and Joe, that are... Tennis freaks. Like, I get there in the morning, and they're talking about tennis, and I literally tune tune them out. I don't care. If it's not Roger Federer, which obviously he won the tournament, but if it's not Roger or Serena or even going back to, like, an Andre Agassi, I really just don't care. I don't care about the 6'7 dude that played in the nine-hour match. I don't care about the 18-year-old that's a really hot one right now. I'm a, I'm a star bleeper, and that's just what I am. So I didn't – it was nice. The stadium was, was unbelievable. It was great around there, but I just – I eh, didn't care that much. I live, I live 10 minutes from there, and – if this was like the early late 80s, early 90s, it would be like a prime event in my life. Of course. And so I just want to like discuss really quickly. I know Federer, first of all, won the tournament. Correct? He's a machine, yes. I mean, He's a I machine. had to look up his age because I really thought he was 50. He's 74. He's 37. Wow. And Is he really? But it, he, I'm older than him? I know. Doesn't it feel weird? Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, you are old. I'm old. So Federer wins this. And the only real tennis players I feel like we know over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years male-wise is Federer, the Joker. What was that? Murray? Yep. Can you give me another one? There's like that guy. Djokovic. Oh, I said the Joker. Oh, damn it. Warinka or something? Yeah, how about that? I'm done. If I I have to name a guy twice, you know I don't know what I'm talking about. So I want to, like, bring back where is the great American tennis player? Did you say Nadal? Oh, yeah. Rafa Nadal. You did it. You did it. (laughs) We would have been, like, chastised by, like, Every tennis person listening to this podcast, how did you not say Rafa? Yeah. How many tennis people are listening right now? Seven. Okay. For those seven people, we apologize for the missing of the Rafi Nadal situation. But I want to talk about how amazing it was back. You know, I don't want to be that douche that's like... We already are. Okay. You know, oh, back in the day, you know, something was so much better than it is right now. I, I hate that guy. But right now we're going to do it for tennis because... Was there anything more exciting than Jimmy Connors versus Aaron Crickstein in the U.S. Open? That was as good as sports. Not just that, you know, not just tennis. Sports can get Michael Chang in the 1989 French Open. Wow. Basically out of breath in a five-set match having to do an underhand serve to win this for American. It, you know. Are you dropping tennis knowledge on me right now? Oh, I could do that. This is amazing. But it, but this it is something in, new. It stops in like 94, 95. Okay. So right. like, I, I'm, out I'm Boris that. Becker, yeah. Yvonne Lendl, even wow. a little Guy Forget. Oh, yes. <gasps> wow. No, I could do that. I am I'm impressed. But, you know, Aaron Crickstein was a Jew, just like, all, you know, we we're a South Florida Jew, believe wow. it or not. Wow. And he, um, him and Jay Berger were repping the uh, tennis world. And as a Long Island Jew, I really related to them. And I just don't know where any of these... American tennis players are anymore. Where are you? There's like what John Isner and I can't name another guy. There was Andy Roddick. God bless him. He did really Andy good. Andy Roddick. In, in life, he won. Oh, he won. Brooklyn yes. Decker. Brooklyn Decker. Yeah. Win. Congratulations, Andy. You won life. You're a champion in my book. Yep. You're the best tennis player in the world ever. Ever. Yeah. But Pete. I mean, obviously, I have to now bring up it's Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi. Those were the two phenomenal stars that were after McEnroe and Connors, and those guys were must see TV. Agassi was must-see TV. 
And we haven't had that since 1995. Yeah. And it's a shame that the Miami Open was there, and I couldn't care less. It made <laughs> If someone offered me free tickets to that, I would have said, you know, probably not going to use my time that way. And Let that, me tell you, it, you should have went for one reason and one reason only, because that's what Joe Rose came back and told me. The amazing amount of brand new food and like drink vendors in that place. And they do that also for me. The casual fan that's there that wants to be in at an event. How much was the ticket? Or you uh you know where I work. Yeah. The tickets I are knew usually that right was, out of Joe Rose's I, pocket. I knew that. I could lie to you and say that they were ten dollars, but I don't know for sure. And I know that if you were trying to sit in good seats, I know our buddy Jason went to them. Yeah. He spent a ton of money right. on good seats to see Federer play. So I can only imagine Joe Rose too. Joe Rose was there with his family and he doesn't like a lot of freebies, which he's an idiot for. So he probably paid for his tickets too, but I could not tell you. And more than likely I wouldn't have went and I didn't go this year because I didn't have time, but I wouldn't have went without a free ticket. And that's my problem too. And I'm sure Steven Ross doesn't want to hear that because he wants to make some money off it, but it just is what it is. But I would have went for one reason and really one reason only because I was at the Key Biscayne tournaments for years. We did our shows there when I was with Hockman and Crowder. We did yeah afternoon shows there. We would drive down yeah. there. I hated the drive to Key Biscayne. It absolutely sucked getting stuck in traffic on the way back, especially when you're in Crowder's car and it smells and there's like pee bottles all over the place. Not the right person to carpool with in a long journey drive like that, but... I kind of liked it for walking around, seeing the talent that's there, and just kind of trying the different foods. My favorite thing, there was a lemon icy place that for $4 extra, you got a shot of vodka in it. You lost me at pee bottles in Crowder's car. I'm done. I don't even have it. I'm lost. Oh, that's a, that's a that, fact. That's a fact. Yeah, there's, so he, he does sometimes it. doesn't stop and will take a Gatorade bottle. I don't know what else we need to talk about besides that anymore. I, I just don't, I'm lost. My brain just went. I'm gone. I'm just imagining Channing, who is an oversized human being, yeah, in, his, in his yeah. own car, yeah. doing what you are Stuck saying. In You're saying whipping it out and peeing in Stuck his car, in and then just leaving it in the car. He's not going to throw it out. He's Might be leave in the backseat. When he had his truck back in the day, I don't know if he still got the truck with the Obama sticker on the back of it, uh, but when he had his truck back in the day, you didn't want to look in the bed of the truck. Legend. Six, seven bottles of, like, not raspberry or strawberry or cherry, whatever the red, fruit punch Gatorade. Yeah, it didn't look like fruit punch. Looked more like it's possibly old lemon lime Gatorade. So it was in a red fruit punch bottle with yellow. With, with lemon lime Gatorade in it. Win. Thank you. <laughs> I think we're done here. Uh, listen, I'm not sure how we could top uh, that conversation. No, what I do think we need to do now is get Crowder on the podcast one day to talk about pee bottles and nothing but pee bottles. I don't care about sports with him. I don't care about the fishing or the hunting or any of that. How many pee bottles on a certain week when he was playing for the Dolphins did he not stop to go to the gas station or was close to the house and just decided, screw it? Did you tell me he once just peed himself at, at, during a football game, or was that a couple times? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah a couple times. Uh, just couldn't make it back to the sideline, and he would just tell one of the guys, "I need to get out. Like I need to take a time to go to the bathroom." And the guys just like go, and he's like, "I." Right. The legend continues. Wu Tang. Wu Tang. That's it. All right. We're Zach in the nose. This was volume 14 of our Say Whatever We Want podcast. We got a lot of couple, oh, a lot of couple. We got a lot of things coming for you in the next couple months here before we get back into all the fantasy football nonsense that we like to push here uh, on the podcast. Zach and the nose, iTunes, Google Play, WQAM.com. Download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, write a nice love letter to my program director saying how great you love Zach and the nose. I don't care what you do. Nose, have a good week. We'll speak to you next week. You want to say goodbye to anyone? I'm saying goodbye to you. Okay. And Armando.
And Armando from Miami. We I love, love him. Armando. We're gonna, we're gonna have a, I, I want to have a podcast dedicated to him. I want to have a podcast with him just eating Flanagan's wings. I want everything, my Armando. I know. I feel like he's my best friend. He is your best friend because I know what he's doing from five thirty a.m. work flow, work gym flow, gym flow, literally until you know overtime flow. And you do realize that on Wednesdays, until he tweets out "hump witted." It's not really Wednesday yet. I literally, him and Cutler Ridge Laz, we're, we're going to have a whole show okay. dedicated to them. We're going to do it at Laz's house. We're going to do a podcast at Laz's house. Please, God, let this happen. We're Zach in the Nose. That was volume 14. Speak to you next week. It's Zach and the Nose. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.